Good morning, y'all. Morning, online folks. Uh, if we have not met, my name is Tommy Jones. I'm the pastor here today, and it's, um, it's always fun to be here. I love my time I get to spend with you guys. And I'm a little more giddy than normal today uh, for several reasons. Uh, I'm always kind of giddy. I'm normally probably like a six. Today I'm probably a nine. But, like, I, I'm always a little giddy. But today I, I, I get to do something that's just really fun for me. This is always fun, but today I get to preach kind of a different way for me, and so it's just kind of exciting. Uh, basically, all, all I'm doing today is telling Jesus stories for a little bit, and I don't know, it's kind of fun. We're in a series on winsome, and winsome we talked about the other day about like, winsome means attractive in character, that there's something engaging about you that pulls people to you. Uh, winsome is, is draws people in, and I, I asked you guys for some words last week, and we said empathetic and kind, and good listener, and loving, and all these things. These are all words that are winsome. These are words that draw people in, and this is what we're trying to be. This is who we must become, because God is speaking through us. So the world needs to see a winsome message in us. And so, I don't know, I was, I was thinking about this this week, and I just started reading some stories about Jesus in the Bible, which is a good thing to do in my particular profession and then I was like, you know what, let's just tell a few Jesus stories. And because the reason, I, I mean, I've got a purpose, but maybe even, I don't know, it's just, have any of you ever lost like a, a, a best friend? I know many of you have at this age in our lives. We've lost someone we love. And losing someone you love is painful. But sometimes when you've lost someone you love, there's these incredible, beautiful moments that happen later on. Where you're gathered together with five or six people who also love that person. And maybe you're sitting around a meal, or you're, or you're around a fire, or you're around something, and you're just telling stories about that person because they're worthy of being remembered. You know, you're, you're just, or maybe the person's still alive, and you hadn't seen him in a while, and your other buddies, like, like a high school reunion. You know, you get to the high school reunion, and the one guy's not there, and you're like, oh, man, Bill Brasky, he was such a good guy. And you're just, you're telling stories. That's sort of how I want this to go this morning. And for that to happen, y'all are going to have to make more noise than you've made so far. Good job. Matter of fact, let's do this. Since you're all maskless, look at someone next to you and just say hello. Just say hello. Don't like blow, blow on. Just say hello. Hello. Just try. Everyone say hi to each other. Let's just get kind of acquainted. How's your mom and them? Good, good. How's, how's your mom and them over there? All right, good, good. All right, that felt good, didn't it? See, it's okay. Because, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm going to be the main speaker for the next few minutes. But if you want to echo something back that's, you know, good, then feel free to do that. If you have something bad to say, don't. But it's real simple. It's a simple process. I don't know. Let's just, let's just tell a few stories about Jesus and see what happens. Sound good? All right, check this out. All right, so first off, I'm reading these stories. I'm going to get to a Jesus story. But I'm reading stories about Jesus this week, and there's a recurring theme that happens in his life. And it says, wherever he goes, crowds are drawn to him. Jesus goes these different places, and I mean, he's out looking for people, but it's like people are out looking for him. And wherever he goes, he seems to draw a crowd. Uh, sometimes the crowd is pressing in on him. I mean, there's just, wherever he goes, people want to be around him. And it's easy to think, okay, well, that's because he's God. But most of these people at this point did not yet believe that Jesus was God. So there's something else other than just he's God that is drawing people to him in this winsome way. And I think as I read some Jesus stories this week, I think I began to see the formula for what worked for Christ and what might just work for the church. Matthew 4, 23. This is so good, man. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, synagogues, 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria, I bet. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, demon-possessed, those having seizures, paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee and Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and region over across Jordan and down yonder, they all started following him. All right, so Jesus is walking around being Jesus, and there's a crowd following him. And who's in this crowd? Anyone, I'm willing to bet there's some disciples in the crowd probably because someone writes this stuff down. So Matthew or some friend of Matthew's is there. Uh, there's probably some religious muckety-mucks Right, Some people who are walking around looking for Jesus to do something wrong, and then they want to email him because they didn't like it, and Jesus didn't read him because he's just over it. Right? Oh, that almost felt passive-aggressive. <laughs> oh, sorry. My bad. But there's some religious muckety-mucks following him around. Right? That's happening. And then there's all these other people. And so there's these sick people and lame people and diseased people and just all this stuff, demon-possessed people. And this is a party. There's all sorts of people. And so most of the people following Jesus are like, most of them are rejects. Most of the people following Jesus aren't your top echelon of, of people at that time. And amongst the group, there was even a rejects amongst the rejects, which would have been like the people who were diseased. And, and because back then, they didn't have the medical system that they have now. And if you were diseased or had something going on then, they thought it was sin that had caused it. So you were, they, they, if someone was blind, they'd say, well, was it their sin or their parents' sin that caused this disease? I mean, just nonsense. We know that now, but they didn't then. And so if you had something like that going on, man, you were rejected from the church. And to be rejected from the church wasn't just like we're not letting you in the church. If you were rejected from the church, you were rejected from the hospital and from the bank and from the marketplace. And so you had nothing. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be graphic, but I just, just to put ourselves in this scene for a minute— it would have smelled so bad. And I know, I know, but we need to understand this. These are people who were, were known as, as bad smelling, couldn't be around them. I mean, don't go near them. They knew they were sinners. They knew they were rejects. They knew that God had abandoned them. They knew that the church didn't want them. This was the crowd following Jesus. They knew. They knew. I think we're like that too. And the condition in my heart is so foul, I can smell it. I know it. When sin has done something in my, I know it, if I'm honest. And so that's why I love that the Bible says Christ didn't come to condemn the world. You know why he didn't come to condemn the world? They knew they were condemned. They knew they were dead. You don't walk up to dead people and go, die. I mean, that doesn't do any good. They knew the condition they were in. So he doesn't show up to condemn the world. Instead, he does something so incredibly gorgeous and beautiful. He turns to this group of rejected people, people on the outskirts, people no one wanted, and he looks at them, and, and I just read you guys Matthew chapter 4. On your own time, go read Matthew chapter 5. But he looks at them and he says, y'all are blessed. And they're like, what? What's blessed about this? And he's like, no, you don't get it. I love you. They never, no one had ever talked to them like this. No one had ever told them this. That they were abandoned, unwanted, out. And Jesus turns to them and says, I love you. And I'm here with you. And because I'm with you, you're blessed whether they see it or not. And these people were like, oh, wow. It was different. And no one had ever seen it. 
and it was winsome. And he, did, he didn't turn to him and say, uh, I've got an announcement to make. You all stink. I couldn't help but notice you all stink. He didn't say that. He doesn't, do, he, doesn't, he doesn't tell them what they already know. He doesn't stand around going, all right, we got some sinners in the crowd today. Let me see, uh, let me see which one of y'all's sin do I know I could call out just for an analogy here. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. But like, he doesn't do that. You know, Bill, you're terrible. Yeah, you're my blah, blah, Sally. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He just goes, oh, my people, you're blessed, and I'm with you. And they're like, what about the smell? And he's like, I love you. And this is Jesus. And this is the model for the church. And I was reading that story, and I was just like, man, you know how many times I've avoided places because I just didn't want to be around Jesus? was like, what's wrong with you? You go where I tell you to go. That's what Jesus did. And, and, and then there's another story in John chapter 8. And again, I'm, I'm seeing a formula here. John chapter 8, verse 3. And this, I tell this story probably once every other month in here. Um, I should memorize it, but... It says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the muckety-mucks, brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses were commanded to stone her. Now what do ye say about this? That was King James. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to stone this woman. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing. He straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir then neither do I. Now go and leave your life of sin. All right, let's break this story down just for a minute. All right, so, so here, here's the group. The group, the church has found a grade A sinner, right? We got one, G. We got a good one right here. That's how the mob always talks. We got us a grade A sinner here, Jesus. And they bring her out to Jesus. And she's caught in adultery. And they're like, all right, Jesus, get her. What are you going to do? And Jesus bends down and writes something in the dirt. And maybe y'all, there's different theories about what he was writing in the dirt. One theory is that he was right in the sins of everyone else there. The other theory, and this one's pretty good, that this woman was caught in adultery, and Jesus bends down and starts to write stuff in the dirt, and what he's writing is the name of every man in that group who'd been with that woman. And so the men start going. Their wives are like, I mean, you know, it's getting heated out there, right? It's getting heated. But Jesus bends down and writes something. I mean, I don't know what he's writing. You don't know what he's writing, but he wrote something. But here, here's the part of the story that I love so much. It's like, we've got to get this right. When he's talking to the woman caught in sin, he doesn't say, stand up and look at me. It says he bends down. Eye to eye. What's going on in your life? Guys, I want to tell you what this is called. This, when we're eye to eye, this is called empathy. Say it with me. Empathy. Now, empathy. Isn't it beautiful? This is empathy. I didn't ask you to get up on my level. I came down because I want to know what's going on in your life. But the, the difficult thing about empathy is it requires something we're not good at, listening. So Jesus is down on her level, and he does stand up again. And when he stands up, who's he standing up to? Is it the sinner? It's the crowd. 
Oh, y'all going to stone her, right? Johnny, Bobby, and they're like, oh, no, man. And they start dropping their rocks, right? But here's the part that, again, we got to get this because this is our model for dealing with sin. The crowd leaves. Jesus has not yet addressed the woman's sin. He hadn't addressed it yet. The crowd leaves. Now it's just the woman and Jesus, and now he's going to address her sin. He doesn't do it in front of the crowd. He doesn't do it on Facebook. He doesn't make her walk up in front of the church and get in front of a bunch of other people who think they don't stink and talk about what's going on in her life. It's one-on-one, and he says, now listen, honey, I love you so much, but you're destroying your life. you got to walk away from this. But he didn't call her out until he protected her. Get this right. That's winsome. That's the model. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like when we, when we come between the mob and the person. That's what it looks like when we get down on someone's level instead of saying, you get up here with us. We, we get down and we look them eye to eye and say, man, I want to hear about you. There is a time and a way to deal with sin. There's a time and a way to call people out, but it's not in front of everybody. Eye to eye. The same way Christ made me aware of my sin. For the love of God, he didn't do it with a bullhorn. Thank you for that one. Right? It was he and I. I die. That is winsome. And it's beautiful. And I'm just reading these stories, and I'm seeing Jesus just woo these sinners into sainthood. And I'm like, man, we got to get this right. Engaging in character. Drawing people to you. This is what Jesus did, and this is not the Jesus of 2,000 years ago. This is the Jesus of today. It's what he's still doing. He is still engaging people in the same way. He's still protecting the sinner from the full consequences of their sin, which is hell and separation from Christ. He's protecting them and then calling them into a relationship with him. He's wooing them to him. This is Jesus, and if that's who he is, then that's got to be who we are. We are called to look like him. Listen, I talk to a lot of people about theology. It's like, because I'm a pastor, everyone wants to argue with me about theology. It's like, you know, when you go to prison and you want to fight the biggest guy in there. Believe me, that when I was there, that was so annoying. <laughs> people kept coming up to me. It got super annoying. Um, but, I mean, it's like, because I'm a pastor, <laughs> no, I didn't want to fight that guy. It's like, because I'm a pastor, someone wants to argue with me about it, and that's okay. And I, I enjoy them. And, and sometimes the conversation, I have good friends, I mean, it's super constructive. And other times, it's just, you know, it's a waste of time. But, like, there's all this debate about theology. And let me, let me, I just, if your theology doesn't cause you to look like Jesus Christ, then your theology doesn't matter. If your theology isn't causing you to look and live like Jesus, then your theology really doesn't matter. We can sit around and argue about all day, you know, Jesus right-handed or left-handed. I don't know. Unless I'm looking like him in the world, then what I believe isn't really making much of a difference. It's like, it's like we have this king, this great king, and we're all servants. And the king comes and says, hey, listen, uh, you owe $8 billion that you can never pay, and I'm going to pay it off for you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give my son's life to pay off your debt. And so the king gives the life of the prince to pay off our debt. And then he doesn't say, I'm, I'm not only going to give his life for you, I'm going to make your life like his. 
I'm going to give you all the glory of the prince. Now all the servants, you are all now, you have the same glory and the same position as the prince in my world. That's what the king is saying to us. And then the king says, now go out in the world and tell them about the king. And you know what we go out in the world? We go out and start arguing about the king. We're like, well, I'm pretty sure the king was born on Tuesday or Wednesday. And oh, what? And then we start blasting people who don't believe exactly what we believe about the king. We start putting people down and arguing, and, and we go and find these other people and criticize them and condemn them, and the king is just watching going, what are you doing? The, the reason people don't believe what we believe about the king is because we don't look like the king. The problem is never with Jesus. In 12 years of ministry, I have talked to people who, who don't want to come to church and who are disenfranchised, and not one person has ever said, I can't stand Jesus Christ. Nobody. How do you not like Jesus? He walks around, I mean, he gives out free food, you know, he makes parties better, he's, he forgives people, he dies on a cross for your sin, he's got all these cool powers. I mean, how do you not like Jesus? It's not Jesus they got a problem with. It's not the king. It's the servants. We must get this right. We've got to be Christ in the world. They must see him in us. Win some matters because we represent God. 2 Corinthians 5 says, We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I'm, I'm afraid too many times when I've talked to people about Jesus, it sounded like I was imploring them on my behalf or maybe the behalf of my political party, or maybe the behalf of my country, or maybe the behalf of my denomination, or the behalf of my church. You're not imploring people on the behalf of your opinion. You're imploring people on behalf of Jesus Christ. And so our pitch shouldn't sound like church people, or American people, or political people. Our pitch should sound like Jesus people. Eye to eye. Empathizing. Loving. We're not trying to woo people into a vote trying to woo them into eternity eye to eye that's the way Jesus did business that's the way we got to do business and it matters to James James was the, the half brother of Jesus and that to him meant in verse James 2 17 in the same way faith by itself it's not accompanied by action is dead and Paul, in verse, 1 Corinthians 9, 22, Paul said to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might win some. And that's what it meant to James, and that's what it meant to Paul. And you know what the church has done? We've got together and argued about whether or not we should be following James or Paul. It doesn't matter. James and Paul both follow Jesus. Just look like Christ in the world, and we will be successful. We overcomplicate it. In the beginning of this year, we said we were going to have a method uh, for, for discipleship, a method for sort of becoming like this Acts church. And I know we can't become exactly like the Acts church because that was 2,000 years ago, a different place and a different time. But the principles of this Acts church where everyone shared everything and everyone had everything they needed and, and people loved each other and they were in unity with each other. Like, and so we've got some principles that we've been, been living by or a method we've been living by, and one of them is growing. And it's just growing in your knowledge of God and one of them is knowing, that's knowing each other and being known by people. And one of them is praising. And, and for the last, I don't know, three, four months, we've been working on knowing and growing and praising. And now, the result of what we've been working on internally should be an external manifestation of what's going on inside of us. So now, starting today, we're going to work on the other two, which are giving and serving. 
We'd been preparing by growing and knowing and praising, and now we're going to live it by giving and serving. And I cannot wait for what's going to happen this summer. And the beauty is, you all already said yes last week. Y'all remember that? So I'm not asking anybody for anything, because you already said yes, which was super trustworthy. But giving, we're going to grow by giving. And I'm not asking anybody to do anything. I just want to tell you all what's been done. Uh, the giving this year has blown my mind. Um, it's been amazing. And we didn't do some fancy capital campaign. We didn't have lawyers come in here and try to, I mean, yeah, amen, I hate them. Capital, not lawyers, I love lawyers. <laughs> capital campaigns. Uh, they're just a lot of work. But like, all we did was give away more money. I mean, that's, that's how we made giving better. We gave away more money. I don't know, in what system does that work? But we, we met at the beginning of the year and we decided that we were going to invest $100,000 in local missions. And you guys have blown that out of the water. And math is not my strong suit, but we're around 60000 so far. So something tells me we're going to beat 100. Man, we have, we have provided for single dads. We have provided for single moms. We have helped homeless people find housing. Uh, we have gotten cars for people. We've paid electric bills. One of my favorite ones was this dude called, and this is so, I know this guy had to have called every single church in this community or something. He finally gets me, which is blessing. And he's like, I need a Greyhound ticket. And I was like, all right, let's, let's talk. But I'm Tommy, by the way. Um, and so we talk, and this guy's been in prison for 23 years. And he wants to go home to see his wife. And uh, so I met him, and he had a teardrop and all these kinds of things. And so uh, just I could tell this guy had lived some life. And so the first thing I did was call his wife and say, hey, do you want this guy home? Because <laughs> I'm not shipping him there until we've got some agreement that this is what we all want. But she wanted him. She hadn't seen him in 23 years. And you guys sent him home. I love that, man. I love that. Like how... How is, that, how is that not fun? How is that not fun? How is it not fun? I mean, James, he says, and J, he says um, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, and does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself that's not accompanied by action is dead. Let me tell you this. The faith in this house is alive because it's accompanied by action, and I've seen it. Ask Christy B. about what's going on at the shelter out there. Ask Amber about what's going on in the streets. Ask these people. The faith is alive, and you are supporting it and making it happen. So just keep doing what you're doing. I'm not asking you for anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Not only that, I had a meeting with church. I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about this, but eh. I had a meeting with church council the other day, and we're thinking about paying extra notes on the building note. Like, did y'all even know that? Like, I, I, I didn't know you could do that. Apparently, that's a thing. You can pay ahead on your rent. That's how gracious you guys are being that we're able to provide for all of these things and still change the world in a way that only God could do. And it's not just about giving. It's about giving and, it's not a buffet. You don't pick one or the other. You don't pick steak or chicken. It's about giving and serving. And so down the hall today, there's, we're, there's 18 different things, I think, where you can sign up to serve. And I have people call me and tell me, they're like, man, I'm having a really hard time getting connected at church. If you call and tell me that, three weeks from now, I'm going to publicly make fun of you because you have chosen to not get connected. You can walk right down that hall right now and get connected. So I'm, I'm, I'm warning you, if you call me and say, I'm not connected, I'm going to say, well, you know what? You chose to not be connected. Walk down there and sign up for a group to go out and serve the world, to go show the world what's going on. And there is something for everyone. 
I mean, you might think I don't have any skill. Yes, you do. And we're signing up people to help with kids. We're signing up. There's a group of people who just come and work on the landscape here. Why? Because they want this to be a beautifully attractive, winsome place for you to walk into. We're doing a pop-up shop in Section 8 housing where they're just going to pop up a deal and say, come on in and get free stuff. We're doing uh, the working in the, in the women's shelter and in the streets and all these different things. There are so many things to choose. And to choose not to serve is not just a dereliction of your duties. I believe it's sin. That's what I believe. I believe it is. You were created to be a light in the world. And occasionally that light's got to get out of this room. And there's an opportunity for every single person to connect in some way. So do it. Listen, I don't want this to be about guilt or shame. That's, neither one of those things are fun for me, and I lived in both of them for too long. I want out. Uh, don't, go, don't give today because, oh, you feel guilty. Don't go sign up because you feel shame. Forget that. Do it because you're in love with Jesus Christ. Do it because this is fun. Do it because it's what we do, and it's who we are, and it's winsome, and you want to actually live your life in such a way that makes it look like that your king is real. Make a choice today. And then let's have some fun doing what we were created to do. Amen.